You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Monday morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is time once again for Southern Fried Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics. Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, part of the 247sports.com network. I'm with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show, as always, brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Go ahead and beat the Easter Rush. Get it done today, even if it means putting in your pre-order. You can do that at 205-752-0211. Remember, Peterbrook Tuscaloosa ships... Peterbrook Chocolatier has actually shipped chocolate to places like France. That seems a little backwards, doesn't it? I mean, I love Peterbrook, but shouldn't the chocolate be coming from France to Tuscaloosa? No, 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 no. Not with Peterbrook. Folks in France can't get enough of that chocolate-covered popcorn. Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60 bit of Woo! Of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, are you all moved in? Are you settled in? Were you able to have a somewhat stress-free weekend? Yeah, absolutely. Just hung around and played video games all weekend. Hung out with the kids and just, you know, took it easy. It was amazing. Well, good stuff. You know, we had a bit of a impromptu trip down to New Orleans. That's right. The chocolate lady came up with a trip on like Thursday night. She comes in and she says, so what do you got this weekend? I said, well, we've got Alabama basketball, men's basketball for sure, on Saturday afternoon, regular season closing matchup with the Georgia Bulldogs over in Athens. But otherwise, I think I can make some things work. She says, well, that's good because we're going red fishing on Saturday morning at first light out of Bartaria, Barataria, or actually Jean Lafitte, the little fishing town there, about 30 minutes south of New Orleans. And we've done this a couple of times now because we've made friends with the folks at Rojas Charters down there in Jean Lafitte. And if you haven't done it, if you haven't done the inland charter down there and the inland waters south of New Orleans, oh, it's a blast. Just plan on limiting out, by the way, on your redfish, especially if you go with Rojas so we went down Friday right after Friday's show, got in, 
set up, had a nice dinner at our favorite, one of our favorite New Orleans restaurants, Giacomo's. It's over in the uh, Carrollton District, not all that far from Tulane and Loyola. If you haven't been to Giacomo's, you got to go. You got to go to Giacomo's and get that alligator sausage and shrimp cheesecake appetizer. I know it sounds crazy, sounds crazy, but it is outstanding. Great meal there. Is Giacomo's. Then we're up at 4:45 on Saturday morning because we got to make that short drive. It's only about 30 minutes down there to Rojas. We get down there, and man, captains Corey and excuse me, Casey and CJ and our our personal guide the last couple of times down there with Rojas, Captain Fuzzy, outstanding. You're going to catch your limit with those guys. I'm just telling you. The wind was up Saturday morning down there. The water level was extremely low. I mean, it was like a mud puddle out there on Saturday morning. And Fuzzy, our guide, Captain Fuzzy is like a bloodhound on the water down there. I mean, between his instincts and his dogged determination, we got our 10 reds. And wildlife galore, even if you were to catch nothing, and that's not going to happen down there, okay? That's not going to happen down there. You're going to catch something. Uh, The wildlife galore, we saw probably a 10-foot alligator, a couple of them. We saw pelicans. We saw two bald eagles down there Saturday morning. They have this animal called a neutral that I'd never heard of, but apparently a neutral is a swamp rat, essentially. Big swamp rat. Looks like a beaver, just doesn't have the beaver tail. We saw a couple of dolphin out doing their thing. And by the way, on the fishing, the chocolate lady got me again. She got me again. I think we tied 5-5, but she had the big fish of the day. But you know what? On a Winners and Losers Monday, I was the big winner last night because she took some of that freshened, fresh out of the water redfish and blackened it last night as soon as we got home. So with some cheese grits, you know, I can take the L when it comes to the fishing when that type of meal is the consolation prize. I'll take that trade. I'll take that trade. Uh, but yeah, Rojas is great. If you're looking for a charter service down there, Try Rojas. You can find them on Facebook. They've got your cold drink set up for your sandwiches, bait, tackle. I mean, all you do is catch fish. That's all you do. Now, having fun shouldn't be hard work. It's all fun if you use Rojas. I'm just telling you. You can find them again. Find them on Facebook and uh, make it happen with CJ Casey and or Fuzzy. We're going to get into the sports world coming up on the program today. Uh, Other items of interest in addition to Alabama men's basketball You had Alabama softball on the diamond over the weekend over the Rhodes House. You had Alabama baseball. Speaking of low country, over there in the Charleston area, Bama wins two out of three from the College of Charleston. Explodes for 21 runs yesterday. That was a football score against a school that doesn't have a football team. College of Charleston, no football over there. Citadel's also in Charleston, so we know they have football. Charleston Southern has football there in greater Charleston. Seen Charleston Southern here in Bryant-Denny Stadium during the Nick Saban era. So uh, nice to see the Alabama Bats awaken after being shut out one to nothing on Saturday over there. But they take the series from CFC two games to one, and now you got five non-conference games this week. Looks like weather should allow all five of those to get in, unlike last week. And again, softball on the diamond. First loss of the season yesterday for the Alabama Crimson Tide. One to nothing losers to South Alabama. And 
look, sometimes you got to give it up for the other pitcher. And that's not to say Alabama shouldn't or can't be better at the plate. And even with a couple of key injuries right now, you still have enough in that lineup. But Olivia Lackey, the true freshman pitcher for South Alabama, she was dominant. Dominant in that final game of the latest weekend event over there at Rhodes Stadium. 205-409-7877. Again, we will get more in-depth into Alabama basketball talk because it is officially March. It's really March now. We've got the conference tournaments coming up. We've actually had on the G5-level conference tournaments – You know, your mid-majors, they're pretty much, if they haven't already, putting a wrap on their conference tournaments. But as far as the varsity leagues, the P5s, we're getting into conference tournament action. Of course, Alabama won't play until Friday up in Nashville at the SEC tournament, waiting on that winner from Kentucky and Mississippi State. I think Alabama's bracket, I think that path to that SEC tournament title, not easy. Maybe Arkansas is the two seed, got the the more idealistic draw, perhaps, in the SEC tournament. For Alabama, you're looking at either Mississippi State or Kentucky in the quarterfinals, probably either Florida or Tennessee in the semis, and then you could see a white-hot Arkansas team at this point. Arkansas didn't play well over the weekend, still won its 11th straight SEC games. So Eric Musselman still got the Razorbacks playing at a very high Level two zero five four zero nine seven eight seven seven. Let's go there right now. Corey is waiting to talk with us. First thing on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Corey, how you doing? Hey, hey, Travis. How you doing this morning? Hanging in there, my man. Well, I wasn't really pleased Sunday, but I think, like you said, you just have to give it to the other pitcher that came in and bowed us down. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, are you concerned about the offense, or do you think it was just a situation yesterday where it just wasn't our day yesterday? I thought yesterday was a case of softball being softball at this level, just the same as it can be in baseball. Look at Alabama baseball on Saturday. You know, it got one nothing. It happens, especially at baseball at this level. And every team, as you know, has that one pitcher. It doesn't matter who it is. It can be a midweek opponent like a USA. It can be a, you know, kind of a mid-major. They all have that one gun that's capable of locking you up. And I think that's essentially what happened to Alabama yesterday. The kick I get out of yesterday is you look around message boards, hear some different things on social or see different things on social media, and it just seems like the one game that a lot of folks decide to either tune in and or comment about is the first loss in 20 games. Alabama softball is 19-1, and one, but I saw more commentary after that first loss than I saw after any of the 19 wins leading up to it. I guess that's just the the nature of the beast when you have a program like Alabama right now. Let me ask you this. Uh, do, you, um, do you see any holes anywhere in Alabama, or do you think we're, we're okay? Yeah, I think. Obviously, the injuries are key. What I won't bail Alabama out for yesterday is that you still got plenty of bats in that lineup. You know? You know that. I mean, we know the names. You know the names. You can go up and down that lineup, and there are there's still plenty of firepower. And, again, that's not to discount the effort of Lackey. She was great. I mean, she just 
she dominated yesterday. And, and again, that can happen in softball and baseball. But I think if you start looking at the big picture and getting sides, getting a couple of your key players back, uh, you shouldn't hit the panic button just yet on this Alabama offense. It, there's still still great potential for Alabama at the plate and as a team as a whole. Um, you know, Montana Fouts loss in all this was really good uh, yesterday, just sort of on the unfortunate end, like Dylan Smith on the baseball side of things on Saturday that just didn't get the run support. And, again, that's sort of the, the nature of the game. Do you think this is bad on the resume side? I don't think it's a bad thing on the resume side. I think what could end up hurting Alabama a little bit, and I'm going to guess, though, that that same weekend, because that weather event was so massive and widespread, I think losing those opportunities against Texas and Arizona, that may be more harmful big picture-wise than a loss to a South Alabama team that might end up being pretty good in the Sun Belt this year. You know, we don't know. But, no, I, I think it's – I think I, I, in the grand scheme of things, no. That would be my initial inclination. And and still, you know, we need to see how things play out in, in, uh, in conference play too. And we're going to get a look at this Alabama team in conference play do, this weekend at Auburn. Do, do, you feel good, do you feel good about going into Auburn this weekend? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this team is built to – navigate Southeastern Conference play, postseason play uh, at a very high level. I don't think that's changed any. Um, I, I don't necessarily think it's the worst thing for a team to drop a game before jumping into uh, SEC play. Not to say that this team isn't centered and focused, uh, but that's what losses tend to do. Now, I know coaches would rather it not be that way, that you have to learn from defeats sometimes more than you do uh, in wins, but you know it could be could be a good thing for for Alabama. I mean, we've seen this stuff go both ways with different Alabama teams, even here recently. Look at Alabama men's basketball after the loss to Western Kentucky. Right, they're four and three on the season, and we're all thinking, "Oh no, here it comes again." And all they do is turn their season entirely around and go sixteen and two in league play. So. No, I, I don't think it's it's even close to that scenario for this softball team. I think they're just fine. Well, this league is very stacked. I mean, mm-hmm. Kentucky's undefeated, which is a surprise in a way. If you before the season started, you wouldn't have thought that. Florida has one loss. Auburn has one loss. Uh, LSU, even though they have a few losses, they're still good. So this league is still very good. And, and Tennessee's still good. Well, listen to this. Between between Auburn, these next three weeks are going to be very tough because right now Auburn has one loss we're going into. We play, we play Tennessee next week, who right now has one loss. And then and the, the third week, we, SEC play, we play Kentucky. So these next three weeks are going to be a really tough stretch in the SEC. It all starts with Auburn, and uh, that that'll be a very pitch-heavy Yeah, I think it helps Alabama that it's already seen two conference foes in non-conference play, right? You saw LSU a couple of times. You saw Mississippi State here in Tuscaloosa. You went 3-0 and in those games. So 
that's a good foundation point for Alabama, and it's kind of different than I'd say for a lot of teams around the league. Hey, Corey, always appreciate the phone call, my friend. Good talk to you, Travis. There he goes, Corey, checking in on a Monday. If you'd like to jump on board, you can do so at, as well at 205-409-7877. Again, it is a winners and losers Monday. couple football coaches in early March making the winners and losers list. And not for, not for reasons that I'm sure they or anyone, any of us would prefer. Uh, Les Miles. Now of Kansas placed on administrative leave in connection to allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace. You know, when we first heard about this situation at LSU involving Title IX and NCAA and you know, we equated it mostly, first reaction was, oh, Orgeron, the current regime and those things. But no, we've heard more about less miles in connection with issues at LSU and then even moving on to Kansas than anything else to this point with LSU. Less, it appears, is a formality to be jettisoned from the KU program. Essentially, when athletic departments start the administrative leave process, that typically is a greasing of the skids. And it looks like Les Miles might very well be on his way out. From Lawrence, Kansas. Also, Rush Probst. Did you see this? I don't think it's made a sort of headline or a news flash of yet where Rush Probst is concerned. We had talked about Rush Probst and his current his current conundrum. It's always something with Rush. He's now the head coach at tradition and championship-rich Valdosta High School down there in South Georgia. And Rush has been hit with allegations of illegal recruiting tactics, which I thought in South Alabama there was uh, South Georgia there was no such thing. I thought you pretty much just rock and rolled in South Georgia, whether you're Valdosta or Lowndes or Colquitt there in Moultrie, Georgia. You know the stories, the legends, the myths of South Georgia high school football. And how programs have gone about acquiring talent throughout the years is legendary. Talking about moving in families from one small town to another with jobs, things like that. But uh, there was a, I'll say there is a, there is an accumulation of clips. Because it doesn't listen like just one consistent, steady conversation over the course of 15 or 20 minutes it sounds like the audio that is on youtube and i'm not exactly sure who published it i think it's smoking gun is the person's handle actually that posted this video that is a alleged conversation between rush probst and i believe the gentleman who is the touchdown club president there at valdosta high school goes by the name of nub Nelson, of course, of course the touchdown club president at Valdosta High School goes by Nub. You think he's got all his digits intact, by the way, with a name like Nub? I mean, I hope that's what it is. I hope it isn't something else, why they call him Nub. Anywho, there's this tape on YouTube. If you haven't heard it yet, you can go to YouTube and pretty much, I think, type in Rush Probst Nub Nelson, and it'll come up there in your search. But it's an uploaded tape 
And again, I think it's been edited, so context here could be an issue. But assuming that is Rush and Nub on that tape, having conversations, having discussions about cash being made available to Rush, where the process of player acquisition is concerned, Rush, once again, has a problem. The biggest issue with Rush, by the way, at this point, and it's not just Rush that's going to make headlines and all this, because Rush, allegedly, if it is Rush on that tape, makes the assertions to Nub that essentially this is what we've got to do. We've got to have this cash on hand. To better put it, Rush, Rush needs this cash on hand. Not not we, but Rush. Rush needs this cash from the touchdown club so he can help targets that are considering becoming a part of the Valdosta High program in the event that they have to move, if they need apartment rent money, if they need bills paid, things like that. And Rush is a part of his pitch to Nub, on this tape anyway, this is what we hear, is that, you know, look, that's kind of the way it goes at big boy programs. And he makes the association, essentially, between that and Kirby Smart at Georgia, Alabama is mentioned throughout the years. Now, Rush, obviously, again, Rush got some credibility issues at this point. So I think most of us take Rush's assertions with a grain of salt. I took them more as Rush trying to get cashed up by the touchdown club president for his own personal benefit. I mean, Rush knows as well as anyone. If there is a scheme or a plan in place at a particular Power Five program to funnel money to players. It ain't the head coach who keeps ten grand in his top drawer, Rush. Right? It isn't the coaches who handle the money. Which makes you wonder again if Rush was even going to distribute the money in the manner in which he says he was. Again, though, the only person that will be surprised if all of this ends badly for Rush Probst is Rush Probst. And I mean, seeing as how he's always landed on his feet, seemingly, why wouldn't he think that way? Oh, Rush. There you go. Rush Probst in it again. And it appears to be getting deeper by the moment. We're going to head to our first break and we come back. More winners and losers on a Monday. If you'd like to check in with us, you can do so at 205-409-7877. More of SFS on a Monday right after this. From the University of Alabama, this is Crimson Tide Today. It's daily update on Bama sports and it's brought to you by Ceasefire. Add Ceasefire Fiber to your roster at ceasefire.com slash AL Fiber. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama baseball down the College of Charleston 21-3 in Sunday's series finale at the ballpark at Patriots Point. The victory on getaway day clinched the series for the Crimson Tide and moved Alabama's overall record to 10-2. The Crimson Tide bounced back from a shutout on Saturday to score a season-high 21 runs, the most by an Alabama offense since 2019. Owen Diodotti and Sam Prater tied for the team lead with four runs batted in a piece, while Will Patota and Andrew Pinckney were close behind with three each. Diodotti's four came on a grand slam homer, while Prater delivered a single and a bases-clearing double for his four, as the foursome accounted for 14 of the Tide's 20 runs batted in. 
I'll have more in a moment. Bad internet is bad for business. We've all been there. Lagging video chats. Slow downloads. Oh, come on. It's just not a good look. Instead, call Seaspire Business. Our local experts deliver gigabit speeds backed by thousands of miles of fiber for the fastest, most reliable internet around. Period. No excuses, no apologies. Just fiber fast internet that works. Seaspire Business. See how our fiber solutions can help power your success at seaspirebusiness.com. Join us tonight for Hey Coach, presented by Alpha Insurance on the network at 6 p.m. Central. We're hosting the show live from Baumhauer's Victory Grill in Tuscaloosa. And we'll be joined during the show by gymnastics coach Dana Duckworth, as well as in person by basketball head coach Nate Oates. The show begins at 6 p.m. and we'll also be streaming live as well on our Facebook and Twitter pages. And that's your BAM update. Crimson Tide today brought to you by Seaspire. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network. What a beautiful afternoon. Nothing but sunshine. The high 69. Clear tonight with the low at 40. Tomorrow and Wednesday, sunny both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow 72. The high Wednesday 76. Warm on Thursday. Mostly sunny with a high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 65 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be denied. turnovers and two for 12 from three together well for the Alabama men's basketball team you get a six point halftime deficit one it had to feel good about given the manner in which it got off to a 14 point deficit there to the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday over at Stegeman Coliseum in Athens Georgia 29-15 Georgia led that one Alabama goes on a 15-7 run that ended the half with Jaden Shackford actually missing a couple of free throws. Could have cut that thing even tighter. I will say this. I thought Jawan Gary's block to close the half there at the bucket was uh, exemplary. So it's 36-30 at the half. And the second half, Alabama does what a championship caliber team should do. Another wobbly start offensively. I can't tell you if it's the alarm clock. I can't decide if it's just the fact that this is a team that pushes the basketball with all five guys, and all five guys are greenlit for the most part anyway to take the three-point shot. And when you play that way and you turn it over 11 times and a half and you miss 10 three-point shots and a half, it's probably going to look pretty ugly like it did. And that's happened more than once here of late. Alabama, though, in that second half, 59 points, man. Just really got it going there early in the second half. Very assertive, getting to the paint. Herb Jones getting downhill off the bounce. Some pitch outs. Good to see uh, Primo get it going. Uh, Josh Primo getting it going. Been in that freshman funk. Kind of battled through it. Good to see him use his size. 
getting to the rim, a couple of Euro moves for the Canadian. And then had a three there in the second half. Needed to see one go in, didn't he? Josh Primo from deep. Uh, but Alabama takes care of business in the second half and closes the regular season with a 10-point win over the Georgia Bulldogs. And now heads to Nashville as the number one seed in the SEC tournament. Seems to be some Arkansas envy right now, man. I mean, the narrative the last couple weeks, you'd think Arkansas won the SEC by two games, not Alabama. Two and a half games, I guess it was. But there's no questioning Arkansas going into this event exceedingly hot. 11 straight wins. I believe that's the first time that's happened for Arkansas since its national championship season under Nolan Richardson back in 1994. I was actually in attendance for that one in Charlotte, North Carolina back in 1994, along with President Bill Clinton, lifelong hog Bill Clinton. Saw the Duke Blue Devils go down. Grant Hill that year and the Duke Blue Devils go down to the Arkansas Razorbacks in that 94 final. Let's head back to the Peterbrook Chocolate Tier Studio line at 205-409-7877. Let's check in with JR on a gorgeous Monday morning. JR, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Thank you. That's good. Self? I am doing great. I'm doing better than I deserve, sir. All right. Well, I just... Uh... I've been listening on the show a little bit today. It's kind of hard for me to listen when you're talking softball, but you know. <laughs> I mean, we have to on, be man. able to real service. Real men don't talk lady softball. Well, I, I, I don't have a real man issue. I got a wife and three kids, so I don't. I don't have to. I, I don't have to answer any of those questions. I'm secure enough Whoa. in myself that I can talk women's sports. I can talk men's sports. You know, we're open to yeah, each and every you. person, Jay. I just, I just, I mean. This, to me, you could just say, I, my interest is, is whether they win or lose. I pass that. You know, it's got okay. Alabama beside it, and they win. Well, that's, that's fine. That's good news. That's, good. that's fine, and I, I understand that, but I'm not going I to. Just, uh, I'm just hard score Alabama football. Pass that. Once you get past Alabama football, it drops off fast. Well, there's a lot of folks like that. Good for you. I know. We, but I'm you know what? You know what? We can talk football on this show better than any other program on the dial, well, too. Here, so if I'm you want to, if you want to talk to football, JR, let's talk football. Say, say without what? having to put if you want to talk football, let's talk football without having to put down other sports. That that would I'm be my preference. Up. Hey, I'm kidding. We I'm not putting down. No, it's fine. Let's talk football, man. What do you got? Well, football, I'm more I'm kinda like wanting to talk more about our next opponent. And I'm thinking I don't even remember how many days it is, but Miami. And how how, how is it you pronounce Miami sometimes? I like My Alma. My Alma. I pronounce it like Patrick Fane Dye used to. My uncle used to do that. Yeah. Pat Dye used to call it Miami. Missouri. 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 Yeah, if you you don't say it Missouri out there, you'll get corrected, you know? It's like like Louisville. If you call it Louisville, the, the Louisville natives, they don't like that real good either, Jerry. Uh, you got to be careful. Well, but you gotta I've be always liked aware. that when you do that. Mm-hmm. My All uncle right. used to do the same thing. And <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> my my yeah. late grandfather used to call a Toyota a Toyota. That's how he said Toyota. So yeah. Okay. Well, football, yeah. Miami. What do we got there? I mean, I mean are they going to be a ranked team? You think, or are they going to? Uh, be a pushover, or are they going to be a foul? Oh, of course, man. that all has to do with how Alabama comes out of the gate, I guess. 
Yeah, you know, I mean, it's not like Alabama doesn't have some questions of their own. Um, but, yeah, when you look specifically at Miami, as we've talked about over the last week, especially where the quarterback position is concerned among Alabama opponents for 2021, you know, a lot of this for the Hurricanes hinges on the recovery of De'Eric King at the quarterback position because he sustained that knee injury and the uh, bowl loss to Oklahoma State. And uh, you know, they had a couple of other quarterbacks take the transfer portal out of Coral Gable. So uh, there's some depth concerns there beyond De'Eric King. So it's it's not like Alabama in that, well, if De'Eric King can't go, they've got another one waiting and ready, you know. So um, he he's big. I mean, they've added Charleston Rambo. Um, a nice wide receiver from Oklahoma through the transfer portal. Manny Diaz has been – it's been interesting because two teams on Alabama's schedule in 2021 within a couple weeks of each other, Miami on September 4th and then Florida on September 8th are both positioned in talent-rich Florida, yet it seems like both are more dependent upon the transfer portal as they are even – the organic process of recruiting. So, uh, you know, Miami's going to have talent. I think Rhett Lashley has done a nice job or did a nice job, especially last year uh, with that offense and with King pulling the trigger. Um, but, you know, they have uh, they have some questions across that team. I think they're a fringe top 25 team going into the season, 20 to 25 maybe, somewhere in that neighborhood. Oh, I agree with you on the talent pool down in Florida being rich, but I don't understand why these Florida teams have fallen off. State, Florida, well, Florida did fairly well this last year, but you know, Miami, the seniors have struggled over the last several, well, ten years or so, and I just don't quite understand why they're not powerhouses you know, on top of the ranks. I can give you some reasons. You want me to list some reasons for you? How about, how about how about Jerry how about Jerry Judy? I'd say he's one. Amari Cooper, he would be another. Um, Eddie Jackson. These are all guys that just Alabama has gone down into Miami's backyard and brought to Tuscaloosa. So whereas they are in a good location for talent, it doesn't mean they've been able to secure it as much in the last decade or so. And quarterback play. Just go to that position. Start right there with quarterback play at Miami. It Look, it hasn't been up to the Vinny Testaverde or the Bernie Kosar or the Jim Kelly or, uh, you know, those type of guys standard. There, there, there's no doubt about that. Gino Toretta, um, guys like that, they have, been, they have been subpar at the quarterback position, and that's why for a lot of last season. Remember Miami last season got off to this, what, 5-0 and type start. They're undefeated. They're fringe top 10. People were starting to drink the Miami Kool-Aid again. I was very hesitant. I wasn't ready to go there simply because we hadn't seen a lot of college football in general because the ACC did get a little bit of a jump on everybody else. Um, and then it turned out that, that Miami, once again, was a little bit above average. They were a little bit improved, but Again, a lot of that had to do with De'Eric King, and a lot of what they're able to do next season will have to do with De'Eric King. Hey, Jr., we appreciate the call, my man. Well, I appreciate it, and I, hey, I feel better now. <laughs> 
Well, we'll do our best. We'll do our best with that whole man card thing. All right. All right. Well, I uh, appreciate it very much, Travis. All right. Have a great Take one. Take care. Take care of yourself, JR. Oh, gosh. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, more of a Monday edition, a versatile, a diverse program, Southern Fried Sports. More of it right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. it up this morning because this is the playlist theme of the day on SFS and it's been almost four years since Soundgarden played the Tuscaloosa Amphitheater drug the chocolate lady down there that night she wasn't all that excited about the date was May the 6th 2017 and this one was a part of the set list fell on black days of course Chris Cornell the lead singer sadly about a week and a half later passed away up in Detroit Michigan 17 songs set for Soundgarden here in Tuscaloosa almost four years ago and uh, that is your playlist theme of the day 205-409-7877 you know JR was asking about Miami in advance of that September the 4th season opener between the Crimson Tide and Hurricanes over in Atlanta, Georgia. And as we said, a lot of it depends on De'Eric King's return for the Hurricanes. Interestingly enough, you know, I was talking about Rush Probst earlier down there at Valdosta and the transgressions, the alleged transgressions of late for Rush Probst. And a quarterback he had down there for a bit was Jake Garcia. Came in from California because California high school football was nixed due to the COVID. And Jake Garcia actually moved to Valdosta, was summarily deemed ineligible. I think he still ended up in North Georgia around Atlanta or somewhere playing. But Jake Garcia might be your backup quarterback. Or who knows, maybe even your starting quarterback if Derek King isn't ready on September the 4th. You also, again, as I talked about with JR, the transfer portal, once again, Manny Diaz working it. DeAndre Johnson, a defensive end coming in from Tennessee. Tyreek Stevenson, a talented corner, coming back from the University of Georgia to the University of Miami. So, a couple things to keep an eye on. Let's go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line right now. Check in with Cowboy out in Texas on this Monday morning. Cowboy, how are you doing? All right, Travis, how are you? When you- Great, sir. I saw- I saw a thing earlier this morning on Tider Insider, and then I see you're talking about Miami. And so when you think of the Miami Hurricane, where do you go back and think of Miami? What do you remember about Miami? I, I know I go back remembering early 70s. They were playing games at Bryant-Denny Stadium. They had Chuck mm-hmm. Foreman. 
they play games on Friday night down in the Orange Bowl. I remember Coach Bright, 73 team, I think, went down there and played them. I remember the next year, Auburn and Suge Jordan played Miami on a Friday night. But I guess when you want to go back to think of Miami dominance, you think of, I guess, starting with Howard Schnellenberger, or you go back to the 60s and George Myra that played for the Birmingham Americans mm-hmm. in the World Football League, uh, you know, was, I guess, their first big-name player. But, you know, I've always kind of liked the Hurricanes. I know some people don't, but I remember back when Coach Bryant used to play them, you know, in Tuscaloosa. And Snellenberger brought his first team to Tuscaloosa in 79, that was the first game in Tuscaloosa ever televised with light. Yeah, wow. You know, for me, it's more Snellenberger-based, based on my age. And I vividly recall, in 1982, the season opener at Florida Field, because of Pops's allegiance to the Florida Gators, he took me yeah. down there on a brutally hot midday sort of kickoff. I saw Florida, which was ranked 16th at the time, in a season opener against Jim Kelly and the Miami Hurricanes. And the biggest thing I remember is it being 1,000 degrees on that artificial turf at the time at Mm -hmm. Florida Field. But that's kind of where it goes for me. Charlie Pell, head coach at Florida. And that's when Florida kind of got it going there into the mid-'80s before the probation and Pell's dismissal. moved into the Galen Hall era there with the Gators. But, no, that's right. that's probably as far back as I go with Miami is pretty much Kelly and then into Bernie and then the run, you know, over, what, 20-plus years. Incredible. You remember when Schnellenberger kicked that field goal? He was up, like, four touchdowns at the end of the game against Florida from about – it was about a 45-yarder. You remember that? Didn't that tie the game? No, there was some game where the Florida people got upset that he kicked a late mini oh, field okay. goal in the game. Yeah, I got you. Uh, that sounds like some Jimmy Johnson stuff, but it may have been. Uh, it was uh, Snellenberger. Yeah, I I, I believe you. Um, you know, I used to play Florida pretty much every year early, and yeah. that, that rivalry kind of went away. But they would even play in Tampa. I think they played in Tampa before in that in that yeah. game, so as a neutral site. But uh, hey, when yeah. speaking of Tampa, you remember University of Tampa used to have a football team. They did. Freddie Solomon, the former San Francisco 49ers wide receiver, played quarterback at the University of Tampa. Yeah, that Vanderbilt coach in the eighties, George McIntyre. I think he played at Tampa. George had ties to Jacksonville too, as I recall. Oh, did he? Yeah, he kind of ended his coaching career as a high school coach, I want to say, at a private school in Jacksonville. It wasn't Bowles. I think it was Episcopal. Yeah. Yeah, we're going way back now. We're in that way back machine right now. I love it. I love it. Yeah, I mean, hell, I I can go. My memory way back is better than it was uh, two years ago or or yesterday. You know, I don't Uh, know why that is. It's nostalgia. It's nostalgia. It's the things we like to remember a lot of times, I think. You know, yeah, boy, those, did you ever go to a game at Legion Field in the 70s when Alabama played? I didn't 80s? go in the 70s. No, in the 80s, yes. In the 80s, yes. The infamous I, Simpson Pepper 
Ladies and gentlemen, oh, yeah. 30 minutes before kickoff, you know. <laughs> that and a stadium dog. Stadium dogs were never as good, have never been as good at Bryant-Denny, to me, as they were in Legion Field. All that stuff, it made my stomach crawl, that trout and mustard all oh but we would we i would i would wolf them down like they were you know i would find find sushi sushi Mm, grade yeah no Mm -hmm. i ate them i ate them i did a double header back in 1989 i did a double header you had alabama mississippi state at legion field in that early kickoff i don't know if it was still tbs might have been jp something they played in that early game in 89, and then I was the, ES, the ESPN Saturday night game was Florida at Auburn, and I think it was Wasden in the corner that beat Emmett Smith and the Gators in oh, 89 yeah. at Jordan-Hare. So I went, from, I went from Legion Field and that 89 Alabama team and uh, made it down to Auburn that evening and took in those two games back-to-back on that Saturday. Yeah. Now, did you get you a stadium dog for the ride to Auburn? I think I had enough before I hit the exits that I was good. I was good for the ride. Yeah. Hopefully you didn't have to make a stop on the way to Auburn. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. But uh, do you think for the guys, do you think my, my, uh, Manny Diaz can get anything done at Miami, or do or you think – Oh gosh! I mean, you know, I, I earlier in the show, I I don't know what the ceiling is exactly for Manny or Dan Mullen at two of those programs in Florida right now. What's the ceiling for Norvell at Florida State? I mean, I don't get the. I mean, more so with Mullen, I do, but he's in the toughest league, you know, mm-hmm. easily uh, of those of those three with Miami and Florida State in the ACC. And, you know, I look at these way too early top 25s, and there's Florida back down in the 15 to 20 range, you know? Yeah. That's not, that's not Florida football, and it's not Miami football to be 25th uh, in a no. too early top 25. That's where they're at right now. Florida State isn't even in it, you know? Right. So you when, think Dion's working his way to Tallahassee? <sighs> That was a big win for Jackson State, by the way, over the weekend to go into Grambling uh, and Dion and the and the Tigers, the Jackson State Tigers, to get that win. Right. If he, you know, if he does things like, uh, I don't think it's a ten game schedule, maybe even this year, this spring for him. But you know, if he's if he's kind of an eighty percent percent or better win rate guy at Jackson State, it could be really tough. It could be really tough to keep him out of that that job, and you shouldn't want to keep him out of it. But um, you know, I, I I can't I can't totally discount that he won't be the next head coach at Florida State. Right. I, I just want to see, I want to see I want to see his I just want to see his his shelf life at Jackson State. So far, so great, two and zero. And if he yeah. if he hangs in there and builds that thing to what it could be with him there. Then he absolutely should be uh, up for a, a P five or Florida State specifically. Right. What What is the kind of the problem that Florida State that Jimbo Fisher besides they didn't want to pay the money I guess for certain facilities is that is that the main they're deal? Ca- they're Jimbo cash. Got they're his- cash. They're cash poor. They're cash poor at Florida State. 
That's the bottom line. Everybody hears Florida State. Everybody sees the players that have come through there, the you know, the sort of flash of that program. Just look at the uniforms. Um, mm-hmm. But they don't have the reserves that even a University of Florida have, right? I mean, right. most of what they did when they did renovate and expand Dope Campbell, and it was essentially an erector set at the time that they did it, was state-funded. So in terms of private capital, liquid, you know, money, they don't they don't have the money. That was the biggest thing with, with Jimbo. I mean, he just couldn't get done what he needed to get done to compete for national championships. Right. He wasn't trying to win division championships in the ACC. You know, they went it in 2013. Jimbo's trying to sustain that. Yeah. And uh, so – so you're saying Florida State doesn't have many bull gators? No, no. They have what they call golden chiefs, but the, they don't have enough of them. Hey, we got to get to this break. All right, we appreciate the call, you, Cowboy. Travis. Thanks. I Always a lot of fun with Cowboy. You with you, buddy. Oh, yeah, let's do it again real soon. There he goes, Cowboy. We're going to take a final break. We come back. We'll put a wrap on a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. What a beautiful afternoon. Nothing but sunshine. The high 69. Clear tonight with the low at 40. Tomorrow and Wednesday, sunny both days with a warming trend. The high tomorrow 72. The high Wednesday 76. Warm on Thursday, mostly sunny with a high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 66 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. You know, a couple of things as we uh, get out of here on a Monday. Jeff Lurie, owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, says he wants to build around Jalen Hurts. Is a starting quarterback. You buying that? Good for Jalen if it turns out to be that way. I'll trust that more once we get past the draft. Okay? The Eagles don't take a quarterback in the top ten of the upcoming draft. I'll I'll put more into Lurie's comments from today. We didn't get into the NBA All-Star game. I know. I know. What? We didn't get into that. I didn't. I'll be honest. Transparency is key here. I think I watched 37 seconds of the NBA All-Star Game. It's not because I don't typically like checking in. It's just, uh, well, you had the Coming to America release, the sequel to Coming to America, Coming the Number 2 America, Arsenio, Eddie, and the client crew getting back together. John Amos back in there, James Earl Jones, some cameos. Cameos galore in that one. It was just okay. I'm not going to spoil anything. So uh, there you go. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9. The lunch whistle on this Monday, Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Make your Monday a whole lot better. Get by there for happy hour a little bit later this afternoon. Happy hour specials going to make you feel a good bit better. Great dinner as well, lunch. Brunch options there at Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard north until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. Thank you for